Well, good morning. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us online this morning, I'm glad that you uh, took some time out this morning to, to try and pursue God and, and grow close to him this morning. We're glad that you're joining with us uh, this morning. Uh, so um, if you've been here the last couple weeks, you've noticed that I haven't been, so I'm, I'm hoping I can remember how to do this. Um, we, we, were supposed to, we were gone two weeks ago for staff retreat, and uh, all the staff and spouses go together for the weekend, and uh, I just have to say for all the dozens of volunteers that step up in really significant ways on that weekend, thank you very much um, for that. Yeah. And, and specifically, I want to mention uh, Zach. He was, he was here during first service. How many guys were here two weeks ago when Zach preached? Um, yeah, I love... I, I, thank you, Dan. Uh, a lot of excitement for Dan, uh, for Zach. I, I love Zach preaching, and it's just such a gift for him to be a part of this church. And Linda um, stepped up and, and led worship for us. And let me tell you, it is one thing to stand up here and play an instrument. That's a stressful level. It's a whole nother stressful level to be the leader of what's going on here in this space. And then it's a whole nother level stressful to be a volunteer, and then all the staff just peace out, right? And so, um, so Sue Super grateful for, for both of them. And then we had the Saturday seminars. Um, I don't know how many of you guys came. We had a great turnout for Saturday seminars. Um, and Rita and Joe did an awesome job. If you missed out on those, uh, then you missed out. And so next time you'll sign up is really the, kind of the learning lesson for all of us. Um, uh, but we came back for a staff meeting. And on Tuesday, I wasn't feeling great. So I did one of the little... We all got comfortable with these nose swab things, figured out how to do our own tests. Turns out I had COVID. And so I, tested, I texted Joe Hoover, and I knew he was doing the Saturday seminars and a bunch of stuff, and I said, Joe, any chance that you'd be willing to cover me this Sunday? And just without hesitation, he, he said, yeah, sure. And man, if you were here last week, isn't it awesome when Joe preaches? Yeah. If you see any of them or any of the team members, because here's the thing, oh, oh, and then to add on to that, Linda was like, okay, I'll lead worship when you guys are gone for the one week, and then, you know, and then you guys will be back, and then we were like, psych, we're not, uh, you're going to lead two weeks in a row, and so um, if you see any of the people who have really stepped up in a huge way in the last two weeks, um, because staff was gone by choice and not by choice uh, so much, tell them thank you. Um, we have some really incredible people in this church that uh, give a lot of themselves to serve us in really um, beautiful ways. So it led me to a little bit of a predicament because you guys know this. Um, we've been to the book of Matthew for four years now. And the end is coming. The end is in sight. Um, actually, Jason and I were talking a week or two ago. He said the most disappointing part about um, uh, the book of Matthew ending is the soundtrack that comes with the sermon bumper. He's like, that just kind of mentally prepares me for a sermon. And I said, thanks, it's not my preaching that you're gonna miss, it's the sermon bumper for 30 seconds. But um, we, I had this all planned out, and I was like, okay, we're gonna end in June, because in July, if you're new around here, you may not know this, in July we do this thing called the Best Sermon Ever series. We invite some really incredible communicators to come in, and just like, the challenge is, give us your best sermon. Right? Just one sermon, your best sermon. And so July is always awesome. And then August, we're going to be doing Church Outdoors. Um, and we're going to be doing a bunch of kind of facelift stuff in this room. And so for five weeks, we're going to be outside August through Labor Day. And, and what I knew is I, I don't want to 
I don't want to come to the end of June and then have like one week of Matthew left to get back to in September, right? Like we're all like, whoo, finish that. And then like mid-September, we're like, well, we got one more sermon, right? But I had three weeks and what we're going to talk about today, what I planned on talking about for three weeks was the Great Commission. And now I only have two weeks. So I had this predicament, but here I got some good news. I got some good news. Next January, we're going to do a six-week series on the Great Commission. Yes. I'm not joking. Anyways, um, Matthew, if you have your Bible, Matthew 28 is where we're going to be. Matthew 28, verse 19 is actually the verse that we're going to look at today. While you're turning there, or if you've got a mobile device, you want to go there. If not, stuff will be on screen. Um, I just want to remind people, if you want to find a way to get connected, if you want to find a way to grow, um, uh, get connected with other people, find a place to serve, all those great things that you want at a church, Rooted is your answer. If you text Monmouth to 97,000, there'll be an option for Rooted. It'll take you to webpage, all kinds of information. Starts in September. I'm going to rag on you all summer about getting signed up for Rooted because there's a lot of us in this room that are new in the last two years, and and you haven't gotten yourself signed up for Rooted yet. So um, here's Matthew 28, verse 19. Now, uh, like I said, we're going to look at this for two weeks. Um, Today, we're actually almost exclusively going to look at one word, okay? So Matthew 28, verse 19. This is the central thrust of what's called the Great Commission. If you've never heard it before, you can just infer some of the importance of this statement Jesus is going to make from the fact that we call it the Great Commission, the Grand Commission. Jesus didn't say, disciples, come together, come together. I have a moment I'm going to share with you my Great Commission. That's not how he did it. He just said these words. And Matthew records them as the last words of Jesus. Right? Matthew doesn't record Jesus' ascension. He, he records Jesus gathering all of his disciples together and saying, here's what I have for you now. Here's the last words I'm going to give you. When Matthew's audience, he didn't know, Matthew didn't know, I don't think he knew, that um, people later would read his book in a collection of a canon of the New Testament. He didn't know that we'd have the book of John or Luke or Mark or the book of Acts or Romans. He didn't know that those would all get coalesced into one book. And so Matthew's writing to churches to tell them the story of Jesus. And it should not be lost on us that the way Matthew sees fitting to end the story of Jesus' life is with these words. He ends with a commissioning, with a command to us as the last words of Jesus. And they are these words. This is the central thrust of it. It says there, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now he says stuff before this portion and he says stuff after it. But in this whole commission, this is actually, these words right here, make disciples, are actually the central thrust. They're the primary verb of this statement. This, this is the action that Jesus is telling his disciples. He gets them together. These are the last words I want you to know. These are the last things I have to tell you is make disciples. Now, next week, we're going to talk about this, about making disciples. But the word that I wanted to look at today is this word right here, go. Go. Now, if you've been around church for a long time, if you've gone to church camps or you've heard um, plenty of other sermons or youth group or something like that, you may have heard someone tell you this. They may tell you, well, when you read the Great Commission, if you read it in Greek, right, all of us Greek readers out there, if you read it in Greek, this verb here is a 
passive verb. And of course, all of you guys did really great in grammar in high school, right? You remember, remember all your tenses and what they mean, right? A passive verb. And, and so it, it, it's the word go, but it's passive. And so it means something like this. As you go, right? That Jesus is telling you the most important thing you need to do is you need to make disciples. And how do you do that? Well, you know, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to get coffee, as you go about your life, as you have your hobbies, as you're camping, you know, just when God opens the doors and, and things kind of pop in front of you, you know, when those moments come, you seize those moments just as you live your everyday normal life. In fact, there's um, a bunch of translations, not a bunch, there's a few translations that translate this way. So like one of them is the ISV translation that says this. Therefore, as you go, disciple people and all the nations. You know, just when it happens. This is passive verb. And they are right in that the tense of this verb here, therefore, go is passive. The problem is, the problem is the Greek language doesn't work that way. Um, th this word here, this verb here is actually, you ready? We're, we're going to be technical for like two minutes. Can we all just take a breath and really, I know it's the summer, so like even if you're a teacher, you're like, ha ha! No more learning, right? But can we just for like two minutes, right? Um, this verb here in Greek is what's called a participle of attendant circumstances. You can impress some people with that. Well, I was studying the other day the participle of attendant circumstances, and zero people will be impressed. I can tell you from personal experience. It's a, a called a participle of attendant circumstances. And what it means is that in Greek... The Greek language is very different than the English language. I mean, it's, it's literally a foreign language, but it is so different, it's hard sometimes to fathom. And what it means is that in Greek, they can put verbs ahead of the primary verb, and the verbs ahead of it take on the tense of the primary verb. Right? Super confusing and weird. Like, why would, why would they not just say it in its own tense? But this verb here is um, an imperative. And even if you don't know what that word means, you can kind of feel what that word means, right? It is imperative to your success that you follow all the steps. It is a, an imperative is a command. And so um, this verb here, it's not a passive thing. It's not to say, well, as you go about your life, this verb is an imperative, it's a command. Jesus is commanding. Church, church, Jesus, the last words Jesus has to say, according to the book of Matthew, before he departs for an unknown period of time, and at this point, it's been at least 2,000 years, and the clock's still ticking. The last things he wants us to know, he tells us, he commands us, he tells us this, go, go. In fact, we see this attendant participle um, all over 27 times it happens in the New Testament, four times it happens in the book of Matthew. One time is this one, Matthew 11. Um, John's disciples come to Jesus and they say, um, are you the one who is to come, John the Baptist, or should we wait for someone else? And then Matthew records that Jesus healed people and he taught, and then he says to the disciples, he says, therefore, oh, sorry, that's not the right one. He said this, go, and report to John what you hear and see. This is that passive, attendant participle, right? It's passive. It would not make any sense for John's disciples to come and say, are you the one who is to come? And Jesus healed people, and he says, you know, 
next time you see John, you know, if you, if you happen to be, you know, if you, if you happen to get picked up for a felony and you end up in prison with John, maybe just when you're there, just like mentioned to him, right? It's not at all what it's telling us. And in the same way, Jesus is not giving us a passive option. He is commanding us, church, to go, to go. In fact, I, I think it's funny that um, Jesus often, he, here's what he does, he often does throughout his ministry, he tells people, he says, um, hey, hey, come, come follow me, right? And then you know what Jesus does? He leaves. So you know what you have to do if you're gonna follow Jesus? You have to leave too. Here's the thing, our faith is never passive. Our faith, obedience is never passive. Um, I got a couple of kids. We go to the park. They love going to the park, right? They're still at that age. Park's awesome. And we get to go find new parks, right? And play at the parks. And, and then I, I do the, you know, my wife and I are there, and we, we do the thing you're supposed to do, right? If, if you've done any sort of parenting thing, here's what they'll tell you to do. When it's time for a child, when you have to leave, when you have to change situations, when they got to go, when they got to quit watching something and playing something, you give them warnings, right? So that they know, so that they don't, aren't caught off guard, right? So I'm a good parent, so I, you know, I go, okay, hey, hey, five minutes, five minutes, right? And then 12 minutes later, I go, two minutes, two minutes. And then five minutes later, I go, one minute, one minute, right? And then I go, okay, okay, come on, it's time to go, right? If my kids, well, you know what they do. I mean, you got kids, they go, one more thing, 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 we didn't know we were leaving, we didn't know, one more thing, one more thing. And I go, okay, okay, one more thing, right? They go do one more thing. And then if they, if they went, okay, we're ready to go. And I go, okay, come, let's go. And they went, Okay, come carry us, right? That, that wouldn't be obedience. That wouldn't be listening to the imperative that I've given them to come. In the same way, our faith is never passive. Obedience is never passive church God has given us a very clear directive and that directive is go even in the moments even the moments when obedience to God is waiting it's never passive have you seen these um, uh, kids um, challenges deal things because of copyright laws I can't show you a video but if you haven't seen them you can YouTube them on YouTube, that's where you YouTube things. And I think they're called like candy challenges, and what they, it's based off this psychological study Stanford did with one marshmallow and two marshmallows. If you want to know how successful your kid is, uh, give them one marshmallow and say, if you don't eat this for five minutes, when I come back, I'll give you two marshmallows, right? If they eat the marshmallow, good luck, right? If they wait for the second marshmallow, your kid's going to be a genius, right? That's basically what Stanford found out, right? And so people have adapted this, and what they do is they take, they take candy, and they videotape their kids. The kids don't always know that the camera's there, and they tell them, they're like, hey, hey, um, 
I got some candy for you, you're gonna get to eat. But before you eat it, I have to go do a couple things in the other room. I'll be right back, don't eat it. Don't eat it, but when I come back, then you can eat all this candy, right? And so this is like one of the, the uh, a screen grab from one of the pictures of this girl. She, she, she survived longer than I would have. She made it 47 seconds. At one point, she's like breathing on it. I don't know, she's just trying to like hope that maybe she'll suck one of them in. And they'll be like, I don't know, dad, it just like ended up in my gullet, right? And she like takes them and she's like playing with them. Right? I saw one, there's two kids. Kid was a genius, right? He'll be president someday. Sitting next to his younger brother. Younger brother doesn't talk real well. And there's a candy in front of each of them. And so what's he do? He reaches over and grabs his brothers and eats his brothers. <laughs> Mommy, daddy come back and there's one missing, but it ain't his. That kid's a genius, right? But here's the deal. Sometimes obedience Waiting on God looks like sitting still, but it's never passive. You will never grow closer to Jesus, grow in your faith, in your confidence, in joy and goodness, in hope, in being passive, in obedience. Jesus' final words to his disciples was, I have a job for you. And church, here's the deal. It may be 2,000 years later, but God still has a job for you today. Uh, Paul, he's, he's talking to some people at one point, and he says this in the book of Acts. He says that God has chosen the times and the place that men might dwell. God has chosen this moment for you to be here in this place, wherever you are this morning because he has a job for you today. Rick Warren said this, I think it's a great thing to think on. He said, um, there are two things, there are two things that you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven. There are only two things that you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven. One is to sin, and the other is to tell people about Jesus. What do you think God left you here for? Right? Church, we have a job. We have a calling, and our obedience will never be passive. In fact, the reason that we're here this morning in some part is because of generation after generation after generation, all the way back to disciples, not always willingly, but going to where God's called them to, to where a small movement of a couple dozen Galilean rural people in Israel exploded across the whole world. In fact, just recently I was reading this book. It's a really great book. It's called The, the, the um, Triumph of Christianity. Here's the awesome thing about the book. You should look it up. Um, it's actually written by an atheist. He says right at the beginning, I don't believe anything of the Christian faith, but I'm fascinated by this thing. And he, and he, said, he said this. He said, there has been nothing in human history that has so shaped and changed our world as the Christian faith. And it has been because for 2,000 years followers of Jesus have been obedient to go when God calls them. In fact, almost 170 years ago, there was a group of people in a small town called Monmouth, Illinois. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in Illinois. And there was a group of people who believed that God was calling them to, to establish a church, a college, and a town in this far off land they'd never been to called Oregon. 
And they loaded up everything that they had and they walked almost 2,000 miles to establish what they had hoped to be, would be a city on a hill, would be a light, would be a place where, where God's will would be on earth as it is in heaven. And we today are here in some small part because of their obedience to go when God called them to. Obedience is never passive. Here's a conviction that I believe. I believe that you know you know the thing that God's calling you today. I don't know what it looks like, but I believe that there's, there's a conversation that God's been pushing on you for weeks, months, or years you need to have. There's a step you need to take. There's a thing you need to sign up for. There's counseling you need to sign up for. There's, there's a class you need. There's rooted you need to sign up for. In fact, next week, we, we've got a really awesome announcement. We're going to be announcing some stuff about our kids' ministry uh, moving forward. And, uh, and there's going to be opportunities for you to get signed up and to, and to get involved. And maybe that's a step. Is, you know, here's the deal, you guys. It's been two years, right? And, and at first, for a lot of us, there were a lot of things in our life that got derailed two years ago because of COVID. And we've just been sitting passively for the last two years, and today's the moment, today's the opportunity that we need to step and respond in obedience to God's call to go. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I believe that you know the call that God has on your life to go. So we have to ask the question, why does it matter? Why should we listen to Jesus tell us go? Matthew 28 verse 19, you remember it says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Why should we listen to what Jesus has to say? Um, if you've never studied the Bible a lot, um, there's this uh, word right here, therefore. Anytime in scripture, Paul does this a lot. Anytime in scripture you're studying scripture and you see the word therefore, uh, here's a little phrase for you. Um, what's the therefore, therefore? Right, anytime, like Paul, sometimes you'll open up and Paul will be like, therefore, and like, whoa, 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 like, like read the chapter back because what, he set something up that is the foundation of why he's calling us to something so difficult and different and unique and countercultural. And Jesus is the same way, right? He's telling us to go and make disciples, but he begins with this statement, therefore, let me show you what the therefore is there for. It says this, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore... Like, this is a huge flex by Jesus. All authority. Last week, if you are here last week, Joe um, did this paraphrase translation. If you don't know this, Joe is an incredible world-class Bible translator. And so I don't know if he found the paraphrase translation that he did or if he just, like, made it up himself. But one of the, I should have gotten a copy from him because cause he, said, he said it this way. He said something like um, that uh, the authority of all the cosmos not just this world, not just our lives, not just this moment, but everything that exists. Scripture talks about that all things being under the footstool of Jesus, that he has all authority, all authority. And what we can read into this and, and what we often do, and I think is actually a little bit dangerous, is we often read into this and we think that what Jesus is saying is this, I'm the boss now, so you better listen. And he may be saying that, but I don't think he is because look, look, look at how, look at how uh, the Great Commission ends. If we, if we wrap the ending and the beginning, Jesus is going to um, set a foundation and he's going to give us a conclusion. Look, look, if you put the beginning and the end of the Great Commission together, look what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' invitation to us is rarely, now there will come a day, there will come a day, scripture affirms to us, we believe, there will come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You won't have a choice. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But Jesus' constant invitation to us is an invitation to life and to hope and to joy. And sometimes Jesus calls us to really hard things. And sometimes Jesus calls us to step out in faith into things we don't understand. And sometimes he calls us to step into things that we feel absolutely unqualified to do. Just completely incapable of doing. And sometimes there's, there's whispers in our ears and there's whispers in our head of the enemy whispering to us that if someone knew about your past and if someone knew about your brokenness and if someone knew what was going on in your life, that they would never let you do that. That God would never accept you based on what you've done or who you are or what's going on in your life. And sometimes those whispers come creeping into our mind and they are the obstacle to us being obedient to God's calling us to go. And that's why I think that what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I'm going to call you to really hard things, and I'm going to call you to places you've never been before, and places you've never seen before, and things that you don't understand, but I will never call you to a place that I am not already there. And I will never call you to something that I, have not, that I will not equip and empower you to. I will not call you to something that my strength and my grace and my goodness is not sufficient for. Jesus isn't flexing his muscles to say, hey, guess what? I'm the boss. Now you better listen. You better do what I'm going to say or I'm going to throw bolts of lightning at you. What Jesus is saying is, well, it's like this. I, I brought, I brought the, you, you guys know what this is? I know it's middle of June. Um, but Mary Poppins. Um, isn't this, can we just take a moment? Can we just take a moment and lament? That it rained yesterday? And it is the middle of June. Some of you like rain, and it's your fault. <laughs> and I'm bitter and angry. The Lord's working on my heart, but some things are just too deep in my soul. Here's what, here's what I think Jesus is saying. I have something for you. I'm calling you to a kind of obedience that will bring life and joy and hope to you and will bring restoration and reconciliation to the world that you're around. I have something that I'm calling you to that is difficult and strenuous and sacrificial, but will be a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the place that you are in now, that will bring restoration and life, that, that will restore and redeem, that will, that will allow you, as 2 Corinthians says, to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation, restoring and, and healing what is broken and, and messed up in this world. But it will be difficult, and it will be hard, and there will be times of doubt, and there will be times of uncertainty. But know this, that you will always be under the umbrella of my strength and my might and my goodness, that everywhere I send you, you will be covered in my authority because everything is under my foot. And if I've called you to go, if I've called you to step out in faith, I will be sufficient. I will lead the way. I will, I will cover you and that we can walk under the umbrella of his authority. So my question for you today is, is just the simple. 
Like, what's God called you to? Like, what is it for you today? When you know that God's calling you to go and to do something difficult, God's calling you to an act of obedience, it may be waiting. There may be a relationship, a job, a move, an opportunity, and what God's calling you to do is just like that child to sit at the table and just wait. Just put your hands in your lap and just sit there and be patient. But maybe God's calling you today to take a step. Lastly, here's what I want to give you. 2 Timothy 1 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. The power, the, the power and love, it comes as we walk under the umbrella of his authority, knowing that he is good and able and gracious and kind in all things. And so church, may we be a powerful, loving, self-disciplined people. May we not be timid and fearful and passive, but may we be bold and inviting the kingdom of God into this place.